Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 613 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from LGBT plus Sparkle about their latest talk. Phil Blinkhorn joins us to let us know about a 12-minute comedy short that he's written and directed that features some major stars and it's called The Man at the End of the Garden. The Man at the End of the Pier over the summer will be Phil Butler. He will be joining us to let us know about the Cromar show, which is going to put a smile on your faces if you can get over that way over the summer months plus on top of that we'll be having music from sun king rising catching up with their frontman john we'll be having a natter with gavin from dinky about their work we'll find out about a project called certain wolverhampton based with some amazing talent from across our city and susie quattro joins us as well we'll be having a chat with her about her latest single and album release that's on the way on the milk bar this week <laughs> With the album Devil In Me released within the week and the brand new single I Sold My Soul Today out there already, Susie Quattro is going to be rocking your ears again very soon. She joins me now for a bit of a chat. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I trust we find you well. I just, um, I, I've been at it like nonstop for like, what, three or four weeks now where it's virtually from the morning, sometimes getting America and Australia into the evening. So I don't finish till like 10.30 at night. So, so the, the promotional tour, but at least you haven't had to leave the home, whereas normally you'd be traipsing around radio stations and TV studios all across the world. Actually, how they do it now is, they used to do that, but now they'll put you in a room. If, if it's not COVID time, they will, they will get a room for you with a down the line, mm -hmm. and people can come in and see you or go down the line or whatever, and they do it all in one room. So, but at least you can walk around the house here, you know. Yeah. But it's uh, it, it's a lot of work. So, but it's part of the game. Part of the game. You got to do it. Well, it is, and I mean, it was forty-eight years since the first album came out, and the energy of "I Sold My Soul Today" I think surpasses anything you've ever done before. How hard rock is that? I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's pretty out there, isn't it? Um, I mean, I'm still out there working and doing what I do, so I still have those energy levels available. Uh, I wish I could say that I've calmed down a little bit, you know, and <laughs> got a little bit quieter, but actually I haven't. My energy level is, is notorious. In fact, um, <laughs> just to digress for a second, when I was about eight years old, and I'm one of five kids, and my mother was religious about dentists and doctors and dad. And she took me for my normal checkup. Mm -hmm. And I overheard the doctor talking to my mother after my checkup. And he said, Mrs. Quattro, whatever you do, do not give that child vitamins. <laughs> that's, that's just it. And I heard it and I kind of went, what's he talking about? Don't give me vitamins. But I get it now. Um, yeah, this, this album is... Uh, a perfect storm kind of album, if you like. 
Well, yeah, you've got um, bonus tracks for the vinyl buyers on there, which I like. That's good. Uh, you've got some uh, amazing titles. I've only heard the single so far, and if it's anything like that, I, I, I think we're going to be parting to the year, year 2030 by the time we've finished enjoying this. You haven't even seen Have you seen the video? I've seen the video. And the bit that I liked about the video was the fact that we've got you sat in front of the same piano we saw in a rather chilled-out Christmas classic uh, end of last year, and now it takes a whole new life with this high-energy, uh, full-on rock song. It is a full-on rock song. It is. Um, and when I when I put the bass down for that, it's one of those bass lines that you, your your arm nearly falls off. I don't play with the pick. So that da, 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 that you hear, it's my fingers. And, you know, you get the cramp up here. I used to wait for the boom. Yay! Stop! <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is a high-energy one, and it's kind of a, kind of a darkish darkest kind of mood of it you know mm -hmm. but I mean, when it comes to music these days i mean whenever we talk to any yeah, emerging band we like to patronize them by saying who are your influences you are an influence for so many people but who do you think feeds into your music that helps you sort of focus your, your latest direction because i know you've worked with the family on this one yeah yeah uh this is our second outing together it's a shame you haven't heard the album um my, my son and i have had our first outing in 2019 it's the first time we worked together. He really wanted to write with me, so we, we did. And we made a terrific album called No Control that the critics went nuts over all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it really was getting our feet wet. We had not worked together before, so you don't have any blueprint. You know, there's no limits. And I said that. I said, now that we know we're doing an album, let's just disguise the limit. We do whatever we like. Um, then when they took up the option for this one and the lockdown happened, then we had time. So I said to my son, okay, I should have been on the road. You should have been on the road. You go in the studio, you work. I'll sit on the patio and work and we'll write the album. So we did. But this one, we had more of a clear idea what we wanted because we had already done our first album together. So mm -hmm. this one, my son was quite belligerent about it, I have to say. <laughs> he got his confidence level up on no control, which is terrific. I mean, I've been in the game a long time, so I don't have anything I have to prove, but he got his confidence level here. And then he said, I want this uh, whole album to be a vibe. And if anything doesn't fit this vibe, it's not on. And he was really, you know, stuck his heels in. And um, we've managed, you haven't heard it, but we've managed to combine things like I Sold My Soul Today and the title track, The Devil in Me, with two or three ballads like Motown, 60s Motown. It's all me. Mm -hmm. This album is completely me, and it has a theme running through it. And I don't know how we managed to get the diversity that we've done like this, but he's a vibe guy, so he would close his eyes and listen. And if anything made him open his eyes like this, it was wrong. <laughs> and, and I came very much to trust him because what my son brought to this project is his... 36 years old generation of music, which is different to my generation. Mm -hmm. So the slightly different ways of writing, you know, just different approaches as each generation has. And um, he brought in his DNA, watching his mom on stage, being Susie Quattro, for as long as he can remember. That's very much soaked into him who, who th he thinks I am who he sees when he looks at me as an artist, and he doesn't budge. That's who Susie Quattro is. That's to him. So I then 
brought in my 57 years of age, my seven, uh, not of age, 57 years in the business, 70 years old, and my lifetime experience mm -hmm. and, and professionalism. And together, we went like this, and we got the best of both worlds. Because what he's done, he's made me now see myself through his eyes. And that's, it's like, it's like rediscovering myself. It's, it's really quite exciting. Hey, he's pushing Pushing me all the time. Yeah, but the time. A, a chance to do that, which probably wouldn't have come in the same way if it hadn't been for the for the, the lockdown situation. But knowing you as you know the artist that you are, you would have found a, a different path through to potentially the same you know, place. But an album in itself, which you've now looking at performing live, and you've got gigs which are coming up. But you've got to to convert this into something which you, you bring as a, as a stage set. And again, that is something else which is really important to you, is the way you present these things in front of people. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a working artist my whole life. This has been a hard year for me not being able to do it. My book is full from May, but no, nobody knows when these are going to happen again. But every album, I do now two-hour shows, which I've done the last five years, solo two-hour shows with a 15-minute interval. So I'm able to do all my hits plus favorite album tracks. And like the last album, uh, four tracks fit into the set quite easily. And from this album, another another four will go and I have to choose which one. You know, certain ones, we, we tried maybe six from the last album. Two of them just didn't fit. They just didn't work. There's a certain sound in my set, you know. Mm -hmm. But the, the right ones will find their way out for sure. And then you got to practice them, practice them up and put them in. And, and then work it with with the band and make it into a stage appearance that, that works as well as the video it does. And again, the, the video that you've got going along with uh, I Sold My Soul today, uh, I mean, that, again, born out of uh, a, a difficult period of, on recording and uh, one where the, the, the music that you've got there is just completely alive and the, the imagery works so well with it. Yeah, it's good. Um, it, it's a bit of a dark, like I said, it's... A, rock 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 but it's a bit of a dark element and i never ever ever explain which no artist should what their songs are but that one it's so unusual i felt i had to and now and when you watch the video then it will make total sense to you it, it's about um a woman who has a very strict moral code almost square a good woman falls in love with a guy who does not respect her moral code even trying to introduce a third person into the party. She keeps her moral code. She does not go his way, but she sells her soul because she stays. Mm -hmm. That's the song. And <laughs> it's a, a high energy way of delivering that message and that story. And uh, as I, I mean, you are a storyteller. We've, we've known that uh, for, for, for decades now. And uh, so I think that's, that really brings your songs to life. We, there's, there's always something more than it's not it's never a throwaway pop or rock song is it there's always more to it oh god yeah when i when i do lyrics i go um i go deep down i go deep down you know i mean i've got a poetry book i've an illustrated poetry book so i'm i'm a typical gemini and words i'm very good with words and they're important to me I'm a communicator. Mm -hmm. Well, Devilly Me hits on the 26th of March. A single I saw as all today is available now. We'll take a listen to it for now. Uh, Susie Quattro, thank you for joining us. Give us the d details on your website, your socials and stuff, so we can get those tickets for the forthcoming gigs. Oh, my God. I don't know them all by heart. Oh, yes, I do. I got them written right here. <laughs> uh, SusieQuattro.com, Facebook, 
Facebook.com Suzy Quattro Rocks. Oh, Facebook.com slash Suzy Quattro Rocks. Twitter.com slash Suzy Quattro. Instagram.com slash Suzy Quattro Real. That's important. I do um, a, a philosophical posting with a picture every single day since lockdown began. It's all there. You can find you online and it is going to be as amazing as ever. Susie, thank you for the single. I'm going to get the new album. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for joining us and keep up the good work. And thank you. <laughs> bye bye. What do you say when you can't pretend? How do you sway when you cannot bear? making a triumphant return to the stage once lockdown lets him and uh, he joins me now and we are mug buddies as we have a drink whilst having a chat there we go i'm liking it how you doing sir i'm all right but i'm a bit upset that these aren't dishwasher friendly are they are they not no oh dear I, 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 if, you look, if you look it's it's gone a little bit we, we started to wash the uh, the logo off your mug where it normally says the milk bar but there we go yeah, it's um yeah it, it's not the best it, but um but no it's uh it's a lovely mug, and, and thanks for it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to put my drink down for a minute as we find out what's going on, because you are returning to a venue you've played a number of times over the years. Four times now. 
Uh, well, this will be the fifth time now. It's fifth, fifth season, though. It's, it's, we're talking more than just turning up on a Thursday. We're talking about full seasons of work here. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's a three-month season. goes over the summer from July to October. And, uh, yeah, it'll be the fourth time now. No, the fifth time now. I did the, uh, the 40th anniversary the 40th anniversary recently and then before that i did the 21st anniversary so tell us about it because it's, it's at the end of a pier in chroma it's the it's the only remaining end of the pier show in the world there's uh, there's other end of the pier shows but they're not production shows they're not you know all singing all dancing you know uh you know static cast uh it's the last one in the world like that so it's a real privilege to do it and I nearly got to see you there last time. I just happened to be a week that you weren't around, unfortunately. So I intend to try and get over there because it is a beautiful place, isn't it? A wonderful bit of coastline. I'll tell you what's lovely about Cromer. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but you say it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. And do you know what? You can sit in, this, in one place in Cromer and it's one of the only places in the world you can do this. You can see the sunrise and the sunset from the same position. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah, one of the only places in the world you can do that. Okay, well, we'll look at the physics of that one later on and maybe yeah. test it out uh, at some point because so well, you, I've been told. I mean, it could be, I mean, they could be, you know, spinning me a line, you know. And, and you, you very rarely see both in any one day because you're normally working somewhere crazy, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, you hardly ever see the, the, the both of them in one day, no, <laughs> never. No, never. Not, not as a performing artist. Unless you've had a really good <laughs> you can, you can, I've, I've, done it, I've, done it where, I've done it where I've seen a sunrise and then been up late enough to see it set again. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got in store for us, sir? Right, so uh, I, I, think, I think I've got to address what's happened in 2020 um, a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm writing a little bit of that sort of stuff, but I don't want it to get too you know, too heavy on, on COVID. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kind of mention it, I think, you know, in the opening monologues and what have you. And I'm going to do a little bit of sand art uh, this year. Uh, in previous years, I've done, uh, I did sand art and uh, I also, I've also done painting with light. Uh, but this year I'm going to bring back the sand art and I'm going to do it rejoicing everything that we can do now, you know, things that, because we're coming out of it now, you know, there's, um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking of doing a, uh, you know, uh, uh, everything we've missed, we can do again, you know, sort of thing in, 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 and do it in sand and, you know, make it colourful and beautiful. And, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not only a comedy maestro, but your art is amazing. And whether we're talking about the painting with light, the, uh, the sand art, or the fact that you put a blooming awesome portrait together as well, I mean, how do you get to be so talented? It's not really fair on the rest of us. <laughs> uh... I, I don't know if I am or I mean I just I'm into I'm into lots of things that's what it is I mean I'm just I like to play with different mediums and I like to um, you know I like to like I'm into photography at the moment mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm doing little uh, tiny planets and posting a new photograph every night on Instagram um, and they're, they're um, 360 degree photographs so it's not only something artistic uh, or drawing or portraits or um or sand art or stuff like that. it's it's any medium that turns me on you know 
Oh, and so you, you're keeping us entertained with it all as well. And uh, so you, when you've seen you in Panto, I mean, you've done uh, local stuff, Tushton, uh, uh, Telford, you've been over uh, in Shrewsbury. Uh, we'd like to see you even closer to home if ever that were possible. But uh, I mean, you, you've obviously missed out on an awful lot of that. And, and when you talk about ma making light of some of this, it really affected you in not only your income, which has obviously hit every performer, but also you, the, the fact that you're not out there with an audience. And if, if anything i should think you need an audience because you're used to a lot of love yeah I, I there are there are people out there who can't be without an audience they 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 need it they they absolutely have to have it um i i look at it in a different way i'm going out there and i'm just having fun with people i'm i'm having and i'm and people are giving me money for going out and having a laugh with people <laughs> And and that's the way I've always looked at it. I've never done it for the money. I've never done it for the. I've just done it for the fun of it, the joy of it. You know, just getting out there and just seeing what happens. Because anything can happen in my show, and that's what I love about it. I can come break away from the the, the scripted stuff and go on a, on a, a complete tangent. And I love that sort of stuff. Well, I say you you're an amazingly talented entertainer. I've loved all the things I've seen you in, and whether it be the stuff fun you've had in Panto locally, or yeah, when do you even seen your your sets online? Because I mean, you've done the, a load of cruise ship stuff as well, and that'll be great when that returns too. Yeah, well, that's going to come back, I think, next year. Uh, I don't think America is going to be ready until uh, January next year. Uh, for cruising and all that sort of stuff, I know I know there's, there's there's cruising that is happening as of kind of next month and the month after. They've they've got cruises happening, but they're not the same as they used to be. They're not stopping off at ports or anything like that. You know, the, you'll go around around the Caribbean, but you'll just be on a ship. Yeah. You know, so things aren't going to get back to normal until next year, I would say, which fits in quite well with my timetable. Yeah, as long as they're doing it to suit you, that's what matters. That's it. That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. So, what else have, have we got lined up? Because you, you've not been doing anything online. That's not your thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, I made the conscious uh, the conscious decision uh, not to try and start up a show. Um, I just thought to myself, well, if there's no if there's no work, there's no work. You know, it's not going to be the same to be in front of a screen or to, you know, be doing Zoom shows and stuff like that. For me, you know, a lot of people, you know, that, that they've, they've found a new way of doing their shows. <clears throat> I'm sure that there's going to be people who, who have done a Zoom show over, over lockdown, and it's going to continue on. For me, it's not really, that's not re really what it's about. Like I said before, it's about getting in front of an audience and just having a laugh and seeing what, what happens and, uh, you know, just having a bit of fun. Uh, the, the ultimate interactive Phil Butler is what you're looking for. You'll be able to find that, as we say, at the end of the pier. Give us the, the dates and, and, and a rough idea of, of, of uh, how it's going to work as far as showtimes go. I believe it's the 17th of July until the 3rd of October. And, yeah, we're just, we're just running through. There'll be, there'll be nine shows a week. So make sure you are around for at least one of those. Great place to go on holiday. I think many of us will be staying in the UK rather than travelling abroad. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it'll get there quicker than you would even get into the likes of Portugal and stuff. So, you know, a nice little drive over there. Enjoy yeah. Chroma, enjoy the pier, and, uh, you know, the, the, the whole magic that goes with the, uh, the experience of being in a, in a seaside town and venue enjoying uh, a proper traditional show, but 
a completely modern traditional show, if ever that were possible. Yeah, yeah, they've got, uh, I believe that they're getting a, a big LED screen for this year. So they're really bringing it, uh, you know, in, into the, the current day. Um, you know, we're going to be using that for all different sorts of stuff. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a spectacular show. And that's going to be a fantastic way of seeing you with your sound art, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be uh, like an overhead camera and then project, projected onto the LED screen. It'll look absolutely fantastic. Right, so your work always does. Give us all the socials so people can gear themselves up ready for the return of the Phil Butler experience. All roads lead from philbutler.website. Um, everything you need to know about Phil Butler is from there. The YouTube, the uh, um, uh, the um, the Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter. And also go to Lil Phil's Tiny Planets on Instagram and check out my photographs every night at 8 o'clock. Okay, do all of that. And where do we find the uh, end of the peer show? Uh, simply go to chromapeer.co.uk and uh, you can get your tickets from there. So, Phil, always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. And we'll catch up with you soon, hopefully in real life. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and good luck to everybody um, getting back to normal. Cheers to everyone at the Milk Bar. All the best to you. <laughs> Certain is a brand new musical project from the heart of Wolverhampton. The team behind it are pretty much bred in our city. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Judith, Nick, Taylor and Gavin. Hello, gang. Hello. Right, so first of all, we have a studio uh, royalty, basically. Gavin Monaghan. Hello, sir. I just want to, I'll single you out to begin with. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking us on. Well, good to have you here. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll come to you in a bit after the rest of the gang have explained what's going on, OK? Okay. Right, so uh, I'm going to start with Judith and Nick to begin with. Uh, writing music is obviously a talent which is essential to our world, and uh, you've got some great stuff ahead of us. I think Hopefully. so, yeah. We think we're excited. Yeah, it's really uh, something positive and something hopeful and something bright, you know, which is what I think we're all yeah. hoping to... You know. And just to take you off on what you said there, actually, about it being essential to our world, I think over the last year, everybody's really, really seen that. Because over the lockdown, if you look at what's really sustained us, um, it's been music, it's been things like sport, it's been doing the keep it with Joe, you know, it's been, and it's been art and music that's kept us going. And I think, if anything, the last year's really shown us how important music is to us. So explain a bit more about this project and, and how it came about. Okay, so we've been writing with well, with each other a long time. And we've been working with Gavin for even maybe longer than that, if that's possible. <laughs> I feel like we've known Gavin forever. And um, so we often work with Gavin and we had a new bunch of songs and um, we wanted to go and record them. And we asked Gavin if he had any interesting artists um, that would like to come and just do sessions. And in walked Taylor. And um, <laughs> we were just... We were blown away. Um, we were like, okay, this is not a session singer. This is an amazing artist. He should be a household name. We want to work with him. Um, and and so we started to work with him. And then along came Ange Lloyd um, working on the, the next record. And then came Amara. And it just didn't stop. These artists, these incredible artists uh, kept coming. And we were, we were just like, oh, my goodness, there's, there's so much talent here. And we need to do something. Um, to, to bring it together and so then we came up with this idea of a collective and then a story was born from that and um, 
yeah, and that's kind of where we are now. And Gavin, your involvement in this, obviously, uh, the talents that you bring and have brought to so many chart hits over the years. And uh, this must be, again, a joy to work with even more talented people. Yeah, these people are just wonderful. Um, I've worked with Nick and Judith for a really long time. We were signed to the same publishing company in the 90s, and we kind of just became really good friends. Uh, and when they told me that they were um, about to start a new project and they were looking to source some... Um, new fresh talent i mean you know i i jumped at the chance to uh contact some very exciting young artists that i've been just helping along really i guess i mean you know they've got their own um they've got their own steam and their own path ahead of them but it's always nice when somebody stops and helps you a little bit i think and uh this was something that i thought would be a natural vehicle for somebody already on a trajectory to um, greatness, shall we say. Uh, so I'm really happy to uh, be able to be working with Taylor on this. We've got some brilliant artists as well. The, the songs that have been written for it are, are very, well, as you know, I'm sure you've heard a few now, um, are very catchy indeed, and I can't wait to see what comes next. And Taylor, an uh, experience for you working on this one, and uh, something which uh, is this kind of running al alongside work you're already doing, or, or were you just waiting for a great opportunity like this? Yeah, I mean, it's not often you see these great opportunities come by. I think for me, obviously, I work doing music as much as I can, as as much as I can, as well as doing my job as well. Um, but you know, it's not often these sort of opportunities come to an artist, then you're able to you know, fulfill that in the best way. And I just love being able to work on these opportunities. It's really nice and it's something different. So definitely, yeah. Okay, so musically then, what's your background and how did you start off in the, the world of performing? Yeah, so me, musically, I would say I'm a, I'm a pop artist. Um, I like to try different genres. Um, I mean, I started music about three years ago now and it, it was firstly, I was writing songs a lot and learning how to write it kind of just naturally just happened um i've always wanted to do it when i was younger but i just never had the confidence so i pretty much threw myself into dancing and done a lot of performances around the uk and just danced as much as i could and then you know after that i just wanted more so more more performance so music was the way to go i started learning how to write after writing start making songs and here I am. <laughs> yeah, and, and the rest will be history, and we will see uh, what, what happens as this develops. And, uh, and, and Nick, I suppose, when you're uh, approaching a, a track, uh, do you think of the artist first that you're working with, or, or do you start with having a good song? I think it always starts with a song for us. It's, it's always the, it's the, it, it's the spark that, you know, it's the, it's the energy that gets the thing you know, I'm trying to catch capture some magic, you know, and that's really the the, the, the obsession is just to capture a little bit of magic. Now, it's emerging with with certain so, so new songs are emerging with the artists and with the story in mind. But the initial spark was these positive songs. You know, our, our taste is fairly is fairly dark, into fairly dark music, but going through this period, you know, with lockdown, we found ourselves listening to sort of positive, very positive. 60s music that we were sort of familiar with and you know nice melodies and it just cheered us up and we just found ourselves drawn to the these kinds of uh, pop up songs you know and that's how it's that's how it's kind of emerged for us but i think originally it's a song 
And as the project's evolving, more songs of that ilk are, are sort of coming through, you know. Oh, and as one pops up now, we're like, oh, that's a Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's Ange, or, you know, yeah, or that's Connor, or, you know, so as, as they um, pop up now, definitely they have a face. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then that sort of goes then into the way in which it's recorded. And, and Gabby, do you find you work differently with different artists? And when it's a collective like this, does that make it a, a more interesting way of working? Yeah, I think you have to bring out the personality of the artist that you're working with in whatever you do. And this is a great opportunity for that because in the song selection process, um, you do factor in who the artist is. And um, I think that's an essential part of it because they have to be comfortable because you can't expect somebody to front something that isn't anything to do with them. Yeah. So we've tried to maybe match the, um, the personality of the song to the personality of the artist as much as possible. And then of course, when, they, when, when, like when Taylor sings a song, he brings a total new dimension to it again anyway because you couldn't have imagined it the way that he sings it and it's the same with all of the artists that every time they interpret a song they bring a whole nother um something life new to it. Yeah. yeah and and, and it's, it's it's that collective creativity which i mean I, I i know gavin's background already and i i'm in awe every time i speak to him because he is an absolute star and with those people that you're bringing in here, we know that, uh, you know, it, for someone to, to, to get to work with, you know, Gavin Monaghan, they've got to be blooming good, or, or they will be by the time he's finished with them. That's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's going to be fantastic to, to hear all the work that comes out of this. So what, what is the schedule for release something? So I know we're going to take this to Sunshine in a moment or two's time. So Sunshine um, is released on April 23rd. And then we're looking to release Whatever I Do with Ange Lloyd. And that's going to be at the end of summer, sort of August, September time. We're looking for that. And then there's uh, another single coming out with Amara. Um, and that's called Someone For Me. And that's going to come out probably um, in January, I think. And then Connor will be bringing up the rear. Um, he'll be putting together a big epic song with everybody on it. And that will be coming out in spring 2022. So you've got loads going on. I mean, the fact that 2022 is so close uh, is scary enough in itself. I know, I know. But uh, uh, the, with the work that's been done here, all under the umbrella that is certain, how do we find the details? And we'll, we'll get social of everybody else in a moment at all. First of all, the main project. Okay, so certain.media is the website. And from there, you can sort of branch out into our um, Facebook and our uh, Instagram and all of those bits and pieces. So we can get those details there. Uh, Taylor, we'll go to you next. Where do we find you online? You can find me on anything Taylor Styles with a Z on the end. And yeah, so Taylor Styles official for Instagram and then just Taylor Styles everything else. That's the way to do it. And Gavin, I can't leave you out. Come on, church. Um, you can find me in a dark room somewhere. Uh... <laughs> trying to extract the soul from a song and uh, put it out for everybody to hear. So that's what I do every day. And I, I'm very grateful to be doing it. And is it, what's the, what's your socials under? Cause I know we see quite a bit of you online. Yeah, I've got an Instagram, which is Magic Garden Studio. Um, I don't really do Facebook, but I've got, I've got, a, got a, um, a, a profile on that as well. I haven't got a website either because for the simple reason, like I've, I already have got a lot of work on and yep. I probably you know, I, I think I'd be a little frightened to to kind of uh, open the floodgates. <laughs> but I, 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 I work on what I love every day. I have got emails and all that. I'm pretty easily searchable. 
Yeah, it's easy. It's like, it's like trying to get hold of the A team, isn't it? You, you, have to, <laughs> you have to know someone who knows someone who knows someone. But uh, uh, it is uh, worth it if you can get in touch with this man. But uh, for now, it's going to be an amazing project. Thank you all for joining us. Long may this continue. I'm looking forward to seeing even more artists come through. And if they're the standard of Taylor, then the world is going to be a wonderful musical place. <laughs> and, and Judith, this also ties in with work that you're doing with uh, a charitable organisation as well. That's right. Yes, thank you. We're working with um, Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably um, which is a pro mental health charity um, particularly concerned with the prevention of suicide um, in young men it's encouraging people to get talking and it's encouraging people to share their feelings and we just want to work with them and put positivity out there so um, if you go onto our website there are these t-shirts um, which a small share of which every sale goes to calm and also um, when our uh, single sunshine is downloaded by a band, band camp uh, a small proportion of that also goes to calm. So please do support. Doing great things for charity too. You, you guys are just, it's impossible not to like it, but there we are. Once again, <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Jason.
Hidden Door Productions and Paul Blinkhorn bring the man at the bottom of the garden to your screens. It's available now. It's a comedy short. And Paul joins me now to tell me more about it. Hello. Hi, Jason. Nice to meet you. Well, good to meet you too. Tell us a, a bit about uh, your background to begin with and how we find ourselves with this latest piece of work online. Uh, I'm a director from Manchester. I originally started off directing theatre and then moved into audio drama and films. And that in itself uh, probably is a good move with where we find ourselves in uh, lockdown, even ongoing now. And and this itself is a comedy born out of that situation. Yeah, it is. It's a 10-minute short film, which I wrote during the first lockdown, and it was released earlier this week. And with the cast that you have around you, you, you already know you're onto a, a winner with them. So uh, give us the, the background to the, the team in there, because you've got Coronation Street stars and all sorts. Yeah, we've got a great cast. It's just a, a cast of three actors. It's a kind of a, a family unit in the short film. So we've got Denise Black, who many people might recognise from Coronation Street, Emmerdale, Queer as Folk. Um, we've got Paul Bradley, who was uh, Dr Hope in... Uh, Holby City, mm -hmm. also in EastEnders, uh, but early in his career he was in Red Dwarf and The Young Ones. And we've also got playing their daughter, Claire Calbraith, who's most recently in uh, Unforgotten on TV, but she's done Downton and a number of other kind of uh, high Vera was another thing she's done as well. Well, give us the background to the premise of this piece, because uh, as say, it sounds like there's a gentleman who may be habitating down the bottom of a garden somewhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's all filmed remotely, and it's the, the story of uh, a daughter who's not in face-to-face uh, -face contact with her parents due to lockdown, and she's touching base with them to kind of see how they are on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and one evening she rings up her mum to speak to her mum and dad and finds out that her dad is in isolation at the bottom of the garden because apparently he's showing signs of COVID, uh, but all's not as it seems. Um is not necessarily down there for the reason that people believe to begin with. But we, we can't say too much more than that without throwing in spoilers to the situation. But uh, when it comes to this sort of work, I mean, you've uh, had uh, some, some, some great pieces through time and uh, the, the, the directions that you've done. And uh, what was it like trying to do this in, in a remote way? Because I suppose your actors become camera operators, become sound engineers, and that starts to uh, pile a bit more onto their plate than they used to. Yeah, they all filmed it from home. Um, they were responsible for their own costume, their own makeup, lighting, everything else. I think it was just a case of getting them relaxed with the whole situation and not putting too much pressure on. Um, but yeah, they all did a, a fantastic job. And I think once you get the right actors anywhere for any project, it makes the whole thing a hell of a lot easier. But it takes some careful cutting together to make all of this work. And uh, I, I, were they on real life calls or were they just filming themselves when it came to uh, delivering lines to each other? No, no, we, uh, we, everything was a, a real-life Zoom call. So they were all sent microphones through the polls to kind of get the best sound quality. Um, and, yeah, we kind of... The daughter had her conversations with the mum. The daughter had the conversations with the dad. A, at no point during the short film did the mum and dad ever actively engage with each other on screen. <laughs> so it's all, so the, the daughter is stuck in the middle between the two of them. And, and, and reflecting so much of real life and the way things have worked out, because we've all found ourselves in this world that we don't quite understand, and we may feel like we're at the bottom of the garden, even if we're not. Yeah, yeah we, we all know, I think we've all got something in common that's unifying us all now, which is frustration and a number of other kind of emotions about not seeing loved ones and family and friends. Uh, so, yeah, the, the shot really was just a bit, give a bit of comic relief 
to the whole situation and kind of put a, a, a spin on things. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of drama in the real world, so I just kind of want to take the edge off a little bit. And it's only twelve minutes long, so. But does that not make it more difficult writing something that's that you know short in time to really get that impact, uh, rather than having half an hour to, to to play with the characters a bit more? You've got to get their identities in there quickly. Yeah, um, it takes a, a fair bit of editing when you write because I wrote it as well as directed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes a fair, fair bit of editing to kind of make it nice and concise. Um, but I think people are so used to short content now. You've got kind of short TikTok videos, short videos that find their way on YouTube. I think, yeah, people, there's a big desire for short form content. And when you are, say, writing uh, at, at the moment and then trying to pitch this idea to, to get the finances to do it, because everybody has to be paid in this. They, 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 yeah, we have to keep remembering that it's online. We don't seem to be paying for as much as we would normally do, but with the, actually the creatives still need the cash. They've got to live the same way as everybody else. So uh, how do you get this sort of thing funded? Well, originally, this um, I wrote the script for a pick for a competition which BBC Writers Room ran in the first lockdown. Mm -hmm. So they put a call out for scripts which could be made under lockdown circumstances. And they eventually produced eight of them, which went online. Now they had seven, almost 7,000 submissions and mine got down to the final 50. So it didn't get made through the BBC Writers Room. Mm -hmm. And then I connected with a producer, Karen Newman, who I'd met at Bolton Film Festival, sent her the script. She liked it and kind of we went, went from there really. Uh, and she, she put the, the money together to allow us to kind of pay the cast and stuff. But it was great, given so many people were out of work, to be in a position to, one, be creating work myself, and two, be able to pay actors to kind of be doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, great. And, and, and what is the next move? Have you got more plans afoot for the latter stages of our current national strife? Or uh, are you now just sort of looking forward to uh, mid-June and an approach of normality? Uh, I've been I've been writing. I've got a few more shorts. I started working on a on a feature which I'm co-writing at the minute. Yeah, it's 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 been a tricky one. I think people can only burst so much lockdown content. Mm -hmm. uh, I also did a short film a few months ago, um, raising awareness about domestic abuse with a cast of forty five, which I filmed remotely as well. So it's uh, yeah, I'm focusing on what's what's coming next. Hopefully. So, so where can we find out about you and your work to begin with? Are you, are you on the socials yourself? I am, yeah. Um, Twitter's probably the easiest place to find me, uh, at PW Blinkhorn. Uh, there's also the link on my profile, though, to, to the film itself. And, and how do we so it's available on YouTube uh, which means that it's uh, we may sit through a few more seconds of advertising at the start but other than that it is free to view yeah I've, I've, I've watched it a couple of times to make sure it uploaded correctly and I don't think we've got any ads I think due to the length of it I think you can avoid ads sometimes uh -huh. so we've uh, yeah we've been okay with that so uh, you can sit back and enjoy it in the comfort of your home. Stick it on the big telly as well, though, if you can, and uh, and enjoy it that way because yes, yeah, so many people have smart smart TVs. You can search it, can go onto YouTube on your television now. So, mm. oh, but will it more feel more real watching it on a phone or a tablet as if you were part of that Zoom call? Um, I don't think you lose anything either way. To be honest, I think you watch it on your phone, watch it on on your television or a tablet. But it is the man at the bottom of the garden, Paul Blinkhorn, writer and director. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Dinky are on the verge of releasing more material. They had a single out recently we'll take a listen to in a bit. Meanwhile, from that video, somebody whom I only know as a silhouette so far is Gavin Medza, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello. 
Hello, how are you? I'm very well. So to give us a bit of the background on Dinky then to begin with. Oh, it's a very long story, but I'll give you a very abridged version. So we, we formed around about uh, 2000, 2001. So we, we are, I am showing my age here a little bit. <laughs> Um, but we, we well, it was kind of early stage of the band, but we, to, to cut a long story short, we, uh, we we properly formed around about 2007. Uh, that's what I class as canon, if you like, okay. for the band's history. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and uh, we've, we've obviously had a, a number of lineup changes over the years as, you know, people's lives just move on in different directions and things. Um, but we've been fairly consistent with the lineup that we've got now. We've we've had that lineup for probably about seven years. Um, we've uh, we've put out two albums, and uh, we're kind of gearing up to start work on a third album once lockdown uh, is lifted. And, and that's where the new singles will live finally at the end of the day. But with the work we've got out there so far, as, as I mentioned, we, we uh, uh, somewhere we want to be. Is that the name of the song that we uh, we we we're going to take a listen to? Yeah, it's called Somewhere I Want to Be. Yeah. Uh, it was it was the last single that we put out. Now that, that one looks like the video, you're on top of Bar Beacon in silhouette form. Is that about right? That's that is that is Bar Beacon, yeah. We tried to make it look not like Bar Beacon. Um but it was a it was a COVID video, so we had to sort of meet up and socially distance and, and that was just a an idea that we had just to be outside. Uh, to, to try and make a video, but um, yeah, yeah, it was Bobby, and well spotted. That's I, I, I know my beauty spots around the area, and uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, with with the work that you've you've done in what now 2007 officially, uh, that would 14 years or so. I mean, you you guys have sort of probably grown together musically, and and has that sort of formed the sound that you've got now? I think so. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think we've, we've we've become really good friends. I was always friends with the bass player, like before beforehand. We we met a long, long time ago. Um, but yeah, I think we've become really good friends over the years, and there's definitely like a nice friendship there. So we have nice nights out where it's just about the band, or we have nights out where it's just about anything we want, you know, to talk about, and we sort of shelf the, the band. And um, it's always a good time, you know. They're just really nice people, and you get to used to people's habits and how they play. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in the studio with the guitarist Adam uh, making both albums. And so we've just really got to know what we like and, and how we work and when we need to back off and, you know, and where you need to compromise. So I think I think definitely the dynamics is, has grown uh, as a result of that friendship. And it, that does feed into the music. I think our music has got better over the years because of that sort of friendship that's mm. kind of built around the band as well so yeah very lucky to be in a band with um, such lovely people well we're approaching three albums in why haven't we got international stardom yet because i think there's a sound is, is working it's good i like it what, what what's going on what's holding you back come on name names well i think <laughs> name names um I, th I think my approach to being in a band is always i've always been a bit, a bit of a wallflower type character so i'm, I'm always just a little bit hesitant to kind of, you know, dive right in at the deep end. And it, it's, we, we have had, um, we've had an international airplay with the, the latest album. Um, and our, our bass player was furloughed uh, during the sort of first lockdown and did a phenomenal job of marketing the music and mm. just sending it off to people and just really staying on that. And obviously we've got a lot of videos that we've created uh, that people can see on our YouTube channel. And I think just the combination of having lots of nice visuals and, uh, you know, a good set of songs um, and just being a bit more proactive about actually getting music out there. So we've started to receive a lot more international airplay. I do receive messages from people in America and Canada about buying our records and things like that. Um, and I think that that's, that 
I don't know. That's just something that I think that we never really explored that much, really. We always stayed quite local. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know if we were trying to be some kind of underground <laughs> cult band or something <laughs> like that. I'm not sure. But um, we've, we're talking a lot more about going uh, to play internationally uh, when we were allowed to. I think that was the plan for 2020. We had mm. uh, talk of some uh, international shows, uh, possibly going to Japan to support a band. Um, and just some stuff around Europe, but then obviously that that all just... It's shut. Everywhere shut at the minute, so that doesn't really spoil things somewhat. So we'll see what 2021 and really 2022 brings, as that'll be your opportunity to shine. It's always better to do it on the even number years anyway. But uh, yeah. I, I think yeah, with with the third album, this could be the one that really gives that, that level of push. So... What what do you want from being a band? Because obviously you're playing normally gigs throughout the the Midlands, and uh, you you you're being followed around by your fan base there, and it, yeah, stalked in a good way. So uh, what what actually happens post album three? I think I think we, we we talk about this quite a lot a lot because some of us are a little bit older, and um, you know <laughs> uh, maybe that ship sailed in terms of you know you know getting the big deal and all of that kind of stuff. But I think I think we've always said that it's because because we because we're really good friends and everything. We, we've always said it's it's really about making memories and just having a really good time and playing music. I'm not really sure what the end goal is, but it's just a lot of fun. You know, I've, I've been playing for 20, 25 years or whatever, and I just feel very even on a small scale as an unsigned artist, I still feel really lucky to have been able to do that. Um, so we we um, for for those people that know us, they know that obviously we put a lot of creativity into our videos and uh, and 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 just everything that we kind of put out there's a kind of a large stamp of kind of what we think is a good, a good quality so i think we just want to carry on on that and just to see where we can take it i think the music will inevitably evolve a little bit um as we go through i think the third album will will have a different feel about the, the previous two and i think visually we want to just get more creative we get you know better you know more more well versed with what we do and we're building up that experience and I, I mean for me yeah I just want to I want to go abroad and play and just find a new audience really and um and, and yeah just 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 kind of expand our um field where we're working and, and and just see where that takes us I think I think that's probably the most ex we've been playing locally for a long long time and we've played the same venues over and over and over again and I think we've just got to a point where we we're just a little bit bored of doing the same thing. So but your audience still love them... you. They still keep coming back to see you. So you've got to keep them amused. Oh yeah, definitely. We'll we'll, we'll still be checking in. Um, but I think you've got to you've got to keep things fresh for yourselves as a band. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've been around for such a long time. Most bands will have a shelf life of two to three years. And I think when we do interviews and we say, "Oh, we formed in 2007," it's people seem really shocked that we're still you know together as a band. And I think. The only way that we've really been able to do that is that we kind of all agree on everything that we want to do, but we also want to just try different approaches to everything that we do from recording to making videos. Everything's got to be something new and fresh because mm -hmm. it's got to stimulate us if we're going to stimulate people. And I think that's kind of the, that's the key kind of component, really. So whatever happens beyond um, COVID will just be about trying new things and trying to, like I said, new audiences, new approaches to just yeah just everything related to the band i guess well a third album is on the way dinky is the name we're looking out for how do we find you on all the socials we have a, a website which is uh, dinkymusic.co.uk uh instagram is at dinky music 
Um, we're on YouTube as Dinky Music. If you find us, there are some very weird things that have Dinky in the title on YouTube. Um, but yeah, we're, you're not, we're not responsible dinky, for all we, of those. We're not Dinky Donkey. If anyone finds that one, um, <laughs> and uh, we're on Spotify, Dinky Music. Uh, yeah, just 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 all of that, really. <laughs> okay, look look out for them. Listen to them. Enjoy them. Never know what's going to happen next, and uh, be prepared for anything. I think is the moral of that story. Gavin, great to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. We're going to take a listen to the previous single now. And uh, yeah, for those who enjoy the video, we say it's secretly at Barbeek and we won't tell anybody that it was really there. <laughs> but uh, you, you, you can be silhouettes and so much more. They are Dicky Music. Gavin, thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, guys.
Blangero from Sun King Rise. He's busy celebrating the release of their latest work and he joins me now for a chat. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you today? I'm very well. I trust we find you well and uh, in the studio even as we speak. That's right. You are over in the US and uh, you've been taking uh, your home nation by storm and we're expecting great things from this latest release in the UK too. That's good to hear. Uh, we're certainly doing a lot of press over in the UK right now and uh, we're getting some attention, so we're very happy. Oh, and that's good. I mean, the fact you can do this remotely uh, is uh, a lot easier than before. I think that's helped a lot of bands to, to get where they need to be and to share the music that should be out there. So tell us about you, your sound and the latest work. Sure. Well, the, uh, the album is called Delta Tales and it's out on Peacock Sunrise Records. It was released in October of 2020. So it's kind of, it's one of those uh, COVID-19 albums. <laughs> the, practically the whole thing was done during the pandemic. It's, uh, it's a very organic sound. If you like kind of uh, Southern rock and soul, kind of retro, kind of a 70s feel to it, all with real players, uh, real musicians, real instruments, uh, uh, no use of things like auto-tune on this album. That, that would be bad. We don't definitely don't want to auto-tune. But, but when it comes to I mean, that sort of sound, that must have been something your parents introduced you to, because you're not quite old enough to uh, have, have lived through it to experience performing at that time, are you? I actually started playing in the... I, I started gigging in the early 70s, so really? I, I, am, I am old enough for that, yeah. Wow, okay, you've worn well, which is unusual for a rock star, so uh, uh, congratulations on that to start off with. But, uh, I mean, th so th this is a sound that you've kind of you know, honed over the years, then, which explains why you're so good at it. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I played in bands, I kind of grew up playing the piano, and, and I, I had a piano teacher who actually only taught me hymns so that kind of got me into the gospel kind of piano thing and my real my i guess my biggest influences would be people like leon russell and early elton john and piano players like that and that kind of songs all with kind of a uh, a lot of horn sections and things like that so kind of a you know it's a real southern feel for sure southern america that is southern <laughs> united states that is <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it, it's a, a sound in itself though which uh, it lends itself well to, to big stadium performances i mean it, it, that's that's the sort of feel you want to be going for but equally can be at home when you bring it to a, an intimate crowd too uh, so so what is your preferred how, how you know i'm sure you've played gigs on, on both ends of that scale it does take a big stage because we have uh, you know a three-piece horn section and, and three female backing singers and we prefer to to uh to have everybody in place and you know another keyboard player and a couple of guitar players so it's kind of a big it's a big setup. I think we had 31 different musicians play on the album, to tell you. <laughs> but it doing was, that on stage is going to be harder work, surely. You, you, you haven't quite done that yet, have you? No, we, you know, we would have to... We haven't gigged at all here. We haven't been able to support the album with any live shows at all yet. But we're hoping to have some, at least in the States, you know, in 2021. And, and who knows when we'll get over to Europe and the UK. You know, we might be... We might be on to the second album by then, depending <laughs> upon how the travel situation clears up. But how does this tie with, with your personal back catalogue? Because obviously you've been gigging since the 70s, so there's, there's plenty of stuff that uh, people can get from, from before to see how you've sort of evolved in your music. Not really. This is really my first solo album. Uh, I have, uh, 
you can find bits and pieces of some of my prog rock work uh, around, but this is really the first coherent kind of uh, sustained uh, recording that we've done. So it's, I've had a, you know, I've had another job for many years. I'm a biomedical research scientist, and and that is what uh, uh, has uh, paid the bills over the years, and, and now provides me with enough time to to uh, do this on a more intensive level. Uh, but there's there's no tracks on there about your biomedical research. It's not something that's inspired you in your music, or is there? It doesn't really come up. It's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, kind of s southern noir and uh uh it is it is almost a concept album it is kind of thematically coherent and all around uh kind of s standard tales of uh sin and uh, redemption and joy and sorrow and all those big you know big topics and all from the all all written around the perspective of you know of, of uh the south Tell us a bit about the single release, though. Okay, the single is is called Free Will in China Blue, mm -hmm. and it actually isn't on the CD. It's as a bonus track, but it is going to appear on the vinyl. So the vinyl is in prep now, and it's going to replace one of the songs off the CD. That song will then be available as a download bonus track. But Free Will in China Blue, I was told. So the record company came to me after the, after we started manufacturing the CD, and they said, boy, we'd really like to have a bonus track for download. And I wrote it the next day, and then we were <laughs> and we recorded it within two weeks. So we had the horns in, everything. It was We really knocked it out quick, and it, and it just turned, it turned out to be my favorite track on the whole thing, as often the things like that happen and and we've been getting a lot of airplay it's been it's been doing pretty well well i mean it's uh great to to, to see this sort of happening and particularly coming out of the situation we've had over the last 12 months and the, and the music that you've created there and the, i mean the fact that it's you know, with probably without the the world War situation you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do what you've done the way you've done it would you well we're certainly planned to do it it, it you know we kind of we, we signed a deal about two years ago and then i decided i had a bunch of demos ready and we were going to go into the studio with them and then i decided to write a lot of new material as often happens so we kind of had a delay on that while i was writing and then we just started it as i said in january 2020 and then then the the shutdown hit and it really <laughs> changed our logistics about how we were going to record so we tried to have we always tried to have the rhythm section together because I think that's very important to get the right feel. But uh, then we had to do some remote recording for some of the other bits, of course. But but uh, it, it doesn't sound, it sounds like everybody's pretty much in the in the same room. I'm, I'm really happy. I had a fabulous producer, uh, Ace Acker, who was in the 70s uh, band Law, who were, uh, mm -hmm. had like, I think they put out three, albums that were you know did fairly well and they toured with the who and you know kind of had the, the a taste of the of the big time and he was just fantastic and he he really did a great job and and putting all the logistics together and making sure the sound was what we were looking for so sonically i think the album is, is quite strong well, we're going to prove that by taking a track off the vinyl version. This is the single. And uh, Sun King Rising we need to look out for. Are you doing loads on the socials as well to work alongside all of this? We are. 
you know, we got a, we have a lot going on and we, and like I say, we're, we're, we have quite a lot of advertising going on and we just had, we just got a uh, shout out. We, we made the uh, hot list at classic rock magazine and, and uh, we have uh, appearances in Mojo and R and R. So uh, some of the, the more significant press and relics over here in the States and, so that'd be a, a pro, once, you, once you're being picked up by those guys, you know it is going to be talked about, it's going to be played and going to be enjoyed. So uh, on socials, how do we find you? Uh, okay, so you can f- easily find us on Facebook uh, under Sun King Rising, but our main site is sunkingrising.com. And do you have your own site for some of your stuff or uh, are you keeping it all with the band? It's, it's all, so Sun King Rising is really my solo <laughs> project with a, with a backing band. <laughs> with 30 odd friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, John, great to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. We're going to listen to the music now and uh, may I wish you every success as we see this release over in the UK and the continued exposure that I know you're going to get for this. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Morning. 
LGBT plus Sparkle will once again be getting together at 2 o'clock on Thursday. Paul Ryder is the man who pulls these meetings together. Alexis is the guest this week. And Paul, tell us a bit about this week's topic of conversation. Hello. Um, thank you for having us again, Jason. It's always a pleasure. Um, we've got Alexis talking about intersect. Um, well, I don't know a lot about this subject, um, but it'd be nice to find out a bit more about it. Well, Alexis, you join us now to give us a, a bit of a kind of warm-up to this Thursday's get-together, just so people know uh, the reasons why they want to come and, and hear this talk. And we hear a lot of these days about gender and gender identity, and it's finally we're starting to recognise the fact that people don't identify just as male and female. And there's an awful lot of areas within this subject that we need to have a, a much better understanding of, and hopefully you can share uh, a, a few thoughts there on Thursday. Thursday. Yes, that's very nice of you to invite me. Thank you. It's very courteous of you. Um, yes, I can see what you're saying. I mean, um, there was a time, like I say, when people thought of, like I say, what a class is the binary, male or female, of course. But uh, I think more and more in these more, <clears throat> shall we say, enlightened times, people can represent their self more as, more happier as their true self, if that makes any sense. Um, like I say, that's uh, what I am, like I say. Um, I basically class myself as an intersex, transgender woman. Like I say, uh, a binary person is yourself, male or female, that are biologically born male and female and stay so. But I'm different, obviously. I'm trans, but also intersex. Like I say, you have the binary people, male and female, of course. Then you move on to such things as trans, which are people who are born in a male or female body but wish to transition, that's why it's transition the word, into the other kind, which is either male or female. An intersex person, like I say, or, or the word DSD, which basically counts as different in sexual development, means where a trans person, like I say, are born in a physical male or female body, that's just a biological fact. It's not trying to say they're only different. Obviously, their conscious is more male or female. An intersex person is a physical manifestation in the body itself chromosomally structured. So when we are born at the beginning of our construction, we are female and become male or stay female. But as an intersex person, in my case, my body went to male to the B from the A and decided it wished to go back again, halfway through being made in the womb. So in some respects, not being fully constructed male or female, I'm a combination of both. Therefore, I'm suspected to be an XXY chromosome, if that makes any sense. I know it's a bit confusing. So you've got more genetic material than most, I think, that, uh, in some ways. Oh, yes. I mean, uh, I have certain traits. I mean, I suffer from a chemical imbalance in the brain, which my uh, mind, my brain, called the tutti gland, which is one of the smallest structures of the brain, cannot create hormones. It's something that intersex people can suffer from. Uh, non-intersex as well, and it means my body literally doesn't make male or female hormones. And of course, if you wish to become an adult and produce one in your actual puberty, you need those hormones to do so. But in my case, I didn't. So, so how was that identified for you? Because this is a medical side that runs uh, alongside your identity. Oh yes, like I say, um, just being on camera now, most intersex people probably wouldn't even speak of themselves or say I declare myself as intersex or trans. But I think it's just something that's very important to talk about because several reasons. I mean, I'm not trying to say, look at me, I'm intriguing. I'm just saying, if you're out there and you're like me, that's not a bad thing. You were born different. That's not a bad thing or awful thing. 
I mean, there's different combinations. It's like I would say slightly sound male and look slightly male, but I'm more female. I know a trans, an intersex person who is more female looking, but produces more of an internal male, as I say, if that makes any sense, which it can be very confusing, of course. Mm -hmm. You're probably, I'd say, more uh, aware of it because of the trans nature of the, how you were born compared to how you are how you feel because of, uh, of of who you are on the inside. Oh, of course. Ironically enough, you have two snails on your table. That's an icon of the intersex because a snail is neither male or female. An icon to run uh, alongside uh, both something that is physical and contained within your, your mental makeup. So what sort of things would somebody who is intersex go through? Well, the ironic thing about it sadly is, and it's a state of fact, a lot of intersex people get operated on as children and never get told. I'm not, I don't know myself if I had. And in certain situations, there's words I probably want to use on this because it's a bit early, obviously, but there's certain situations where an intersex person can have genitalia, is if that's all right, of both. So a surgeon will say to, or a doctor will say to the parents, what do you prefer this child to be? And add a boy or a girl. In my case, I was made a boy, but of course I had no instincts of boys and grew up thinking, why did I not think it was a boy? Sadly, intersex children all over the world get operated on against their will at a very young age and don't get a choice. Mm -hmm. And a lot of doctors are trying to ban the surgery. An intersex person actually is a physical manifestation of a male or a female, or both, or several combinations. At the last count, I think there's 47 combinations of intersex. Here's an interesting fact for you. There was a general who fought in the War of Independence against um, Britain and sadly got injured and died. They operated on them, thinking they were male, opened them up, and they had a wound. And 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 that is something which, uh, if somebody's parents are making a, effectively a choice on their child's gender, effectively, uh, if they are born as intersex, um, and as you say, it's it's without their consent. It's without knowing who that person's going to to be and to grow up to be. And I think. As we've said, we have a greater understanding of that these days, but it is still uh, a very difficult area to get right. Well, I think the parents don't do it out of cruelty. I think all they want is happiness for the child, but try to understand it. Imagine yourself, as you as a man, being forced to be brought up as a woman. You'd have all the instincts of you being a male that you can't get rid of, but you would be dressed as a female and be brought up as one. How would you think you'd actually feel, do you think? It's going to be right for your mental health. Uh, you, you're not going to be in the, the, the best position. You're not going to understand what's going on around you. Of course, you identify as, as you on the inside, so you don't know anything else. But I, I assume that you are left with some sort of state of confusion why you don't quite click with others in your peer group. Oh, yeah, I was always confused. I never understood why I wasn't like men. I try very hard to watch them, understand them, try to study them and find out why I wasn't acting, but I was always linked with females. I mean, this is something I very, really speak of outside my community because it's hard to understand. I've always had the instinct for childbirth. I know that's hard for you to very understand, and it's very strong. I've spoken it several times to other women, trans women, and everyday women, as I call them. I discussed how I felt, and the woman said to me that I spoke to his girlfriend, that's exactly how I feel. And I do this a lot. I know you can't see this, but it's like the instinct is so powerful, I feel there should be something here. I know there never can be, but the instinct is literally that powerful. I don't expect people to understand that, 
but it's a natural instinct that a woman will actually get. From your place, where you are now, you have obviously come to terms with a lot of, of what has happened to you in the past. Uh, the fact that you would have had a, an operation when you were uh, very young, that obviously it was not, not consensual, it couldn't be, but it was a direction and a path that you were put on which didn't match the person that you grew into. And uh, yeah, that does that create some sort of anger that you've had to, to deal with and get past? I mean, is, is, is this the sort of thing that somebody who is intersex will be, be suffering from because of the, the way in which their bodies have, in, in effect, been mutilated? Yes. Uh, I, I'm on an intersex forum which has to stay private because a lot of people keep it secret, but they're very angry. There are very, a lot of people out there saying, I the dirty secret of the family. Why did they do it to me? It's a violation against my body. You know, how could they? And a lot of people are so angry with their parents for changing them that a lot of people are fighting. I mean, I'm not an expert. Like I say, I'm, I'm trying to find out my own journey. I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there know better than I do, trust me. But yes, I'm angry towards my parents. If, if this actually happened, if I can prove it, I'm going to try and understand why they did it, but try and see from my point of view. I was forced to become something I wasn't. And I was never given a choice. And, and has the attitudes within the medical profession towards surgery at that point changed now? Are kids who are intersex allowed to grow up as they are, are born? And then the decision surrounding what happens next is taken by them as they reach adulthood? Uh, sadly not, as far as I can tell. There were 32 countries that are actually were, were last year actually going to a full competition to ban the altering of intersex children at childbirth, but Britain isn't one of them. So certainly there needs to be a conversation at the right levels to allow children to grow up to, to be who they are. And, and, and I think it's less enlightened times that will have led us to where we are. Going back historically, before medical science uh, allowed uh, for changes to be made to someone's body at the point of, uh, of birth or within the first few years of life, uh, somebody who was intersex would have been allowed to, to grow into the person that they were and then effectively you know, make their own way. And I'm sure there will have been suffering in the past, but at least physically they would have known who they were. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's made parts in history where intersex people will become a part of a temple or in certain tribes that be classed as a two-spirit, they were seen as something, a link between the, this world and the next. Their diversion of their body or development was different. It was seen as like a, a gift from the gods, as if they were a combination of two worlds at one. In certain situations, they'd be the one that, in, in certain cultures, they'd be the one, the peacemaker, or the, the person who would talk to other tribes or other communities. They'd be the one that's brought in and people would respect them as an intersex or where we would call them then, and they'd, they'd be respected. But sadly, things have changed. You know, those times are gone, you know, but uh, that's history. There's a lot that's happened in our world, probably sort of from around the Industrial Revolution time and as, as medical science has, uh, has advanced. The thinking around that hasn't necessarily always been, been right, has it, I don't think? Well, like I say, sadly, not everybody fits them. I mean, there's a big fuss at the moment about young trans people being operated on, and I, in some respects, can understand that. But, you know, uh, where's the fuss over the intersex children? No one seems to say anything but us. 
I find that very sad. No one is standing except for people like us saying, well, hello, why is this being stopped? Why is the outrage? Where's the sadness about children being altered, sadly? Yeah, most likely it, it, they're more likely to take the, the male route than the, the female route when it comes to the, uh, the operations that take place? Well, it depends. Like I say, there's so many variants. It's hard to say. I mean, I was speaking to a person who would be classed as a female, but never, because her body couldn't actually produce female hormones, has never actually grown breasts. So she was discussing with me what was it like to go on the hormones because last year I made a decision myself, which was very naughty, I self-medicated, which is a bad thing, you shouldn't do it. But because my body doesn't create hormones, I could. And in the space of six months, which is a, a prime example of my body, I grew breasts. I'm, a, I'm an actual A. Yeah. And through becoming who you know you are on the inside, through what your body's been through on the outside, you are now yeah, more settled, or uh, are you still very much on a, on a journey to, to be the, the whole person that you know you are on the inside? Well, I'll be going to the gender clinic hopefully in July, and that's what I'll be discussing with them. Uh, they'll hopefully officially put me on the hormones then. And in four or five years from now, I'll have the surgery to make, um, like I say, my body the way I want it. I mean, some intersex learn to live with themselves, but me, I don't like being called male. I don't, but then again, I don't go by the idea that I demand of other people in this world to call me female. So I wish to alter myself so people will look at me and they'll sound female. So they will say, that person is female. I don't demand of this world. I just would like to be adapted to the point where I would be accepted as a female, if that makes any sense. Understandable. Yep, yeah, so you, you're, you're able to visually identify as the person that you are? Yes. Well, uh, I mean, Alexis, thank you for joining us. Thank you for talking now. Uh, there will be more in your conversation on Thursday. Paul, give us all the details of the events taking place on Thursday's LGBT plus Sparkle Meetup. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, LGBT Sparkle, Wolverhampton. Um, if you want to contact us, our email address is lgbtqsparkle at gmail.com. And you can uh, be part of that conversation. Hear so much more that Alexis has to say. And uh, we look forward to uh, a, a rewarding conversation as part of that group and greater understanding. And it's, it's understanding, appreciation and ensuring that the, the, the choice is there for you and, and not somebody who, who will never be able to understand your situation, sadly. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's very courteous and understanding. Of it. I always appreciate people who do this. You know, each one of us are on a journey, no matter who we are, and each one of us is taking a path, and each one of us is valid. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 614 next week. I'll see you then. So, off now. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar.